Alright legends, welcome back dude to yet another episode of Get Around Me. What a time it is to be alive, truly. And I mean that today, potentially more than others. There is romance in the air at Get Around Me. Not one, but two power couples have come across my desk in the last week. And as we know, there is just nothing better on God's green earth than a power couple. When two successful people fall in love together... That's real. When two people who earn $57,000 a year each fall in love, is that anything? Do you know what I mean? If you're you're holding on to a fishing boy in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, do you love it? Do you you love it or or was it just there? Do you know what I mean? Whereas once your salary goes above 200K, that's when real love happens and it's happening all around us right now. Absolutely love a power couple. It's my dream to be a part of one. Absolutely shocking. I've never really uh, got a famous girlfriend considering I've DM'd Ruby Fields on three separate occasions. So riddle me that. But either way, we'll be discussing uh, one of Australia's great power couples and, and another one that's really come from nowhere. So there's a lot on this week. It's very exciting. We had the Melbourne Cup yesterday. Dude, I was walking to a gig last night in Surrey Hills. And it was a freaking war zone out there. My first Melbourne Cup living in the city. Dude, there were bodies hitting the floor. <laughs> like, I'm walking to a gig at like seven-ish, I want to say. And I saw two guys like laid out, like lying on the ground, face up. One of them was conscious, one of them wasn't. The guy who wasn't conscious though, he was unconscious in like a chill way. Not in like a you should stop whatever you're doing way. I had to. I actually had to get to an unpaid 10-minute spot, so I did not have time to resuscitate this tarot cash-wearing man. But I tell you what, dude. My God, there were some scenes in Surrey Hills last night. I saw, like, people getting carried home. I saw, I saw two, like, 40-year-olds just, like, aggressively making out against a wall. That's what it's all about, you know? Melbourne Cup's kind of sick because you get to see people at 7pm behave like it's 3am because they've been on the gas since midday. Just You want to talk about non-power couples, by the way. Just see a couple of office workers just mounting each other on Crown Street at 7.15pm. The sun's still fucking up, lads, you know? I love it. <laughs> it was so good. And uh, yeah, I went and did my gig and then on the way back, I saw four blokes just lined up outside this brothel in Surrey Hills. It was so funny. Like, I want to say they were maybe 23 or something. And the vibe on the group was, I think, two of the blokes were heaps into it and two of the blokes were not. You know, the first two guys were like, come on. And then the other two guys were like, is that the right door? Is there, a, is there another door on a less main street? And unfortunately for them, I was walking past. And I, I said, uh, <laughs> I said, what's doing, lads? Pick a few winners today, hey? And the bloke who was pretty keen on the brothel, he said, fuck yeah, we did, brother. And he walked in. And that's how you own an otherwise awkward situation. So I wish those boys the best. But anyway, let's cut the shit, dude. I was thinking what else happened last night. Nothing of note. So here we go. Mary Fowler and Nathan Cleary are a power couple. It's happened. It's confirmed. It's public. In true Get Around Me fashion, I missed this news last week by the skin of my teeth. 
There was a little bit of uproar in my DMs. I think, honestly, it's for the best. We could have had... If I reacted to this news on sort of 20 minutes notice last week while recording, I think we might have had like an Usman Khawaja 2019, maybe not 2019, maybe 2021, whenever he was still out of the team. And I would just go on these Usman Khawaja rants and sort of black out and wake up 17 minutes later. Because whatever part of the brain that governs emotions was just singing so much harder than the part of the brain that makes any sense whatsoever. So I think honestly, me having seven business days to sit on this, to decompress, to put my emotions to the side, to put my parasocial relationship with Mary Fowler to the side and realize that I've never actually met her. And for me to be jealous about this is actually a really fucking weird, potentially sick thing to feel. And I've, I've had that time. I've used it, okay? I've decompressed. I see the world more clearly now. Because originally I was against this couple. Just because, you know, I just think our Mary should be, fo- should be focusing on her football. I don't want to be overprotective. I don't want to tell her how to live. But I'm just saying that I think Mary should be focusing on her football. I don't want her hanging out with those Penrith Panther boys, you know, doing beers with Jerome Luai, drinking marijuana, whatever those boys get up to. I don't want to hear about it, okay? I don't want to see Mary Fowler uh, in ski goggles on a Monday morning with a quote-unquote buzz on, okay? So I was against it originally, and I was hoping this was a bad dream, a media beat-up job, if you will. But now, obviously, he was at the game in Perth. Let's be honest, mate. (laughs) You're not in Perth unless someone you love is over there. I personally go to do stand-up comedy and visit my nan. But I've got, I've got many mates on the East Coast who have never been to Perth. And I'm not even shitting on the West Coast, baby, the best coast. They probably never will go. Perth isn't the sort of place you pop into. You need a reason to go. You need, you need something. Someone needs to bring you over there. You need a, a real reason to pay $880 return for a domestic flight. And that's Jetstar Coach. So God knows what Nath was paying. But the fact that I saw him pop up in the crowd in Perth, Either this guy is in a relationship with Mary Fowler or he's a stalker and he should be in prison forever. If you fly to Perth to see a girl you're not married to, you should be locked up, dude, okay? Forever. So good on Cleary. It was clear once he'd made the jump from coast to coast that this thing was real. And while I was originally against it, once I saw the photos of Cleary shirtless in the park, I thought, really... Get your head out of the clouds, Bill, and wake up to yourself. How could anyone resist these pipes? My God, Nathan Cleary looks an incredible nick. And the other thing is now this relationship has gone public post-treble. Okay, post three in a row with the Penny Panthers. When this first came out, I want to say, what would would this have been? July were the first rumours? August? You know, Cleary's still off the back of Origin. People are saying, what was that about? Is he going to really kick into a, a proper Origin star? He was injured at the time. I didn't love it. Now, post-treble, I've seen him shirtless. I've taken some time to calm down from that. His pipes are unbelievable, okay? Unbelievable. And at the end of the day, it takes two to tango. We can all understand why Nath is interested in Mary Fowler. She is probably the most talented chick on the East Coast, and and she's stunning, okay? Very simple there. And for me to walk around in some sort of a 
insecure haze that Nathan Cleary has potentially tricked one of our nation's great heroes into loving him is really mm, not pathetic, but it's definitely something in that realm. It's in the neighborhood of pathetic, okay? So once once I saw Nathan Cleary with the shirt off post-treble, the fog around my jealous brain lifted, and I realized that, wow, if, if Mary Fowler's a 10, Nathan Cleary's probably right up there as well. With a jawline you could grate cheese on and a hairline that, if we're looking at his dad's, isn't going anywhere. So I'm on board. I'm here for it. I will say it must be weird to go public because you know how like they went public with it. It must be weird to date a chick. I don't know how this works, but I guess maybe one of their managers or do they have the same manager? Is that how this started? The Adidas sponsorship. I mean, Adidas must, whoever signed Mary Fowler, well, I mean, it's a pretty, I mean, they're both absolute superstars. It's not really controversial to sign either of them, but my God, Adidas would be absolutely frothing on this. My God. So I'm not sure how it works when you have to go public. I mean, I've taken girls to meet Macronadzi at the pub before, but it's been pretty low key. There's not been a lot of photographers there. For whatever reason, when I introduce a girl I've been seeing for upwards of four weeks to Macronadzi, no one from News Corp gives a fuck, okay? Even though I've been DMing them as well. So riddle me that. But yeah, it must be weird to just be like, <laughs> yeah, we're just going to go to the park and just sit there for like an hour. And we've had a photographer organized to come and take photos of us sitting there. Like uh, the details of the article were were such non-details. You, the, the article on news.com.au about Mary Fowler and Nathan Cleary, it read like a year 10 essay where you've got to get to 1500 words. Just no details revealing anything other than the fact they were at the park. Like anything they did was in there. It said at one point they shared a water bottle. Like that's some year four shit, dude. If you're commenting on them sharing a water bottle, are you a germaphobe or do you think that's like almost kissing? What what News Corp nerd was watching them share a bottle of water and thought, holy fucking shit. Can you believe they're doing this in the open? My God. I'll tell you what, if Nathan Cleary wants to take his shirt off around me, I'll fucking share a, a water bottle with that cunt as well. So, my God, just revisiting the pipes, they're outstanding. But at one point in the article, it, uh, it read, Mary Fowler commented on the re- relationship. She said, please leave me alone. I want to go back to my hotel. <laughs> Super revealing. What, a, what an in-depth insight into this new relationship. That just, wow. <laughs> there was just nothing in the article, but still, it's news in and of itself. And I must say, I think Papua New Guinea must be going nuts right now. The country of PNG must be beside themselves. These two are going to run for prime minister of PNG, like as a team, like stepbrothers, you know, and they'll win in a landslide. Papua New Guinea really has two religions, NRL and Mary Fowler. So I don't know if blokes are just passing out of the street at the thought of this news. But my God, if I'm Nathan Cleary, I'm probably doing up one of those dodgy mining deals that Darren Lockie has been into in the South Pacific, you know? Put yourself on the face of an iron ore company. Really cash in on throwing a ball around, hey? But yeah, it's it's exciting news. It's really exciting news. I will say absolute power move from Mary 
to have Nathan fly to Perth to watch her play and she never went to see him play in Sydney as far as we know. So there's a power dynamic on there and I'm excited to see what this what this could do for the rest of Australian not is pop culture the word I'm looking for S- social culture 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 whatever culture it is celeb culture like I'm just wondering are we going to see any other circles cross because we've never seen often sportsmen will date each other it's going under the radar Cody Simpson and Emma McEwen that's a power couple Dude, if I'm Cody Simpson and Emma McEwen, I'm fucking furious right now, dude. Cody Simpson uh, was going out with Miley Cyrus, and now he's going out with potentially our greatest Olympian ever, and no one seems to give a fuck. I think the problem with Cody Simpson is no one ever knows what that guy is. He's a model. He's a singer. He's apparently the biggest singer on the planet. No one in Australia has ever heard one of his songs. He's, he's, a, he's a swimmer as well. I don't know what that guy gets up to. Nathan Cleary, he's a footy player, and that's all he does. And that's why it's very easy for me to digest this beautiful information. But I'm wondering if any other circles are going to cross. Could we get potentially cricket superstar Phoebe Litchfield and the kid Leroy? Could we get it? I don't know. Could we get, I'm not sure, maybe a comedian? Could we get Nazim Hussain and Claire Polkinghorne? I'm not sure, but I just think a lot of windows have opened up, a lot of worlds have opened up that could lead to some fucking sick uh, celebrity power couples. I mean, Abby Chatfield's always milling around someone. If she could, if Abby Chatfield could date an Australian celebrity who has a skill, I think that could blow this thing wide open. If Abby Chatfield could date a man who's not from reality TV and go toe-to-toe, with Mary Fowler and Nathan Cleary. That could be pretty exciting. You know, Abby Chatfield has huge wag energy. But I don't know, you can't really watch your husband on The Bachelor. Do you know what I mean? Like, because you're on there as well, babe. So, yeah, I just think this is going to really blow Australian celebrity culture wide open. And I'm, I'm really here for it. Uh, if Stella Donnelly or really any girl with 100,000 Spotify listeners who plays the guitar wants to message me i'm very open to it okay i've been candid in the past i'll be candid again i'm very open to it but as far as nathan and mary look it is long distance i don't have the highest hopes for it going forward manchester to penrith and back again babe look it's a tough ask it's one of those things where you love to see it for the sake of the story but at the same time if macca came up to me and said bill mate yeah i'm head over heels with this bird she lives in manchester we're gonna make it work i'd say honestly mate you're having a fucking laugh, yeah? Like, this is really probably one of the worst ideas I've ever heard. So, good luck. Long distance is potentially the worst thing that could ever happen to a person. And I wish you the best, guys. I will say having a lot of money will help it a long way. You know, when you take the PJ over to Manchester and pop in on the Derby, it does help, you know? When you're on the fucking Greyhound to Toowoomba, not as much of a vibe. So... Yeah, it'll be interesting to see where these guys go from here because they do live on opposite sides of the planet. And, well, I don't know. I don't want to be two house on the hill, but it could potentially be a marketing ploy. And if it is, it's one of the great marketing ploys we've ever seen. So I wish these two the best and it's exciting stuff. Now, someone messaged me this whose name escapes me, but shout out. Also, shout out last night. I walked on stage 
mildly high to do some new jokes. And this guy in the front row goes, holy shit. And starts like taking photos of me and goes, mate, massive listener of the pod. And I thought, how good's that? And then I thought, what am I doing tonight? And then I realized I'm running through all these new jokes and I proceeded to middle out in front of one of my biggest fans. So you love to see it. But either way, whoever messaged me this, power couple information, it's exciting. Cricketer Shubman Gill is dating Sachin Tendulkar's daughter, right? We have an Indian cricket superstar dating Sachin's daughter. This is crazy, dude. I don't even know. I don't even know about this. I read, so I looked up an article. It said Bollywood actress Sarah Ali Khan. Everyone thought she was dating Shubman Gill and she said, you've got the wrong Sarah. It's Sarah Tendulkar. Mate, what goes on in India? These Indian cricket fellas are absolute superstars, eh? They're like, that'd be like if Margot Robbie came out and was like, no, I'm not dating David Warner. It's actually fucking, I don't know. It's hard to go from Margot Robbie to anyone. Why would anyone choose anyone over Margot? But, you know, have a think about it. Kate Blanchett, okay? Let's say someone's got a pension for older girls. But these Indian cricket guys, they're like, it's like you play cricket, but you have Brad Pitt levels of fame. Like, imagine if girls were like screaming down the street after Mitch Marsh or Josh Inglis. Imagine Josh Inglis couldn't go for a coffee because too many chicks were trying to fuck him. That's what it's like being a cricketer in India. Probably. I've never been. But they're A-list celebrities. And if you look up their Instagrams, they're absolutely insane. Like, Indian cricketers who are like fringe players have like, 36 million followers. It's absolutely insane. So, this is a tough one for Shubman Gill. On one hand, Sachin is your father-in-law. Let's start positive and then let's go negative. Positives, you are just marrying into just ungodly amounts of wealth. Sachin Tendulkar, I don't know what he's worth. I'm going to say a billion dollars. Ballpark that. So, you're marrying into just insane wealth. Also, the genetics of this kid. You've got the Gill genetics and the Tendulkar genetics. I mean, stay off this kid's pads if you know what's good for you. My God. Imagine walk, walking into bowl to this kid and giving him a bit of width. I mean, you're a clown. If you give him too much width, you're going to pay the price. You get too straight, you're going to pay the price. You get him out, T- Tendulkar's probably going to have you assassinated. Honestly, if you have to bowl to this kid, I would just retire. That's what I would do. But now let's go negative. Oh, just on the genetics as well, speaking of power couples, I do have plans to marry a Sri Lankan woman just to get the elasticity in my son's wrists, okay? I'm already pretty sickening off my pads, and that's with my Irish-Australian genetics. So if I marry a Sri Lankan woman and you see a young, half-brown Billy Darcy Jr. walking out to bat, stay away from this kid's pads if you know what's good for you, okay? Fucking helicopter helicopter this shit from outside off, okay? But we'll put that to the side. The other the worrying thing for Shubman is that how are you gonna big dog your father-in-law? Because if I'm one of the best batsmen in the world, I'm walking around like it 24-7, okay? I'll be shadow batting in the kitchen, just whatever, whenever, okay? I run the show. But now, one of like the guy across the table from you asking for the salt, not blinking is one of like the seven blokes in the country who's actually much, much better than you 
at this one thing you have. So I don't know if you're going to have to probably get a new skill, maybe take up hunting or I don't know what do blokes do? Fly a drone around or something, get into smoking meats, but just get a hobby where you're better than Sachin. Archery, what a fucking loser blokes looking to plaster their personality all over a hobby do. Get a bow and arrow, okay? Set up a target in the backyard and pray to God that Sachin's not, not good at it. I wouldn't be surprised if Sachin just isn't even looking and just bullseyes one from like 200 meters. That's how good he is. But yeah, it's a high stakes, high pressure relationship and treat her well. That's all I'm saying because I think Sachin can have people assassinated in India, okay? I've just made up a lot of what I've just said, but I th- at the same time, I think we all know in our heart that it's probably true. Okay, up next, a couple of yarns from the week that was Australia's greatest road dog returned over the weekend. I don't know what else to tell you, okay? I was in the central west of New South Wales. Not exactly a banner region for tourism, but there's a lot of beauty in the central west if you're willing to sort of skip every second town, okay? Lithgow, absolute disgrace prison town. Don't stop there for Christ's sake. Orange, absolutely beautiful. Dubbo, holy shit, disgraceful prison town again. I don't know if there is a prison in Dubbo, but fuck me, it feels like it, dude. Not a great town, Dubbo, shout out. Okay, but I've kind of got scars from Dubbo. I was doing, I've got scars from non-comedy related things, but yeah, so I was hosting the Sydney Comedy Festival showcases in Orange and Dubbo over the weekend. Very exciting gigs. You get to play these nice country theatres. I'm the host with the most. The crowd's 93 years old on average, and we don't let that stop us from having a bloody good laugh, okay? Both nights without fail. So I like to do some self-deprecating stuff when you're hosting because you want them to think that you're like a fucking loser, but you're a bloody laugh, okay? So that's kind of the vibe. You want to be uh, attempt to get some sort of a likability off the rip, okay? So I do my JPEG joke. Like, I don't travel that well as a JPEG. A clip I've since put up on Instagram, go check it out. I'm releasing stand-up comedy clips at the moment, uh, some from uh, last year and some from brand new off the off the tour from this year. So I would love for you to share them with a friend or even just show your mum in the kitchen. Every little bit helps. We're going to sell out that 75-seater in Adelaide next year if my fucking life depends on it, okay? But anyway... Oh, yeah, so basically both nights, my JPEG joke got literal silence, like less than silence. What You know those rooms where it's like less than silence and you can't be in there too long because you can hear your heart beating and people go mad after like 28 minutes? That's what my JPEG joke got. (laughs) Oh, my Lord. But, yeah, so shows were good and just had a lot of bloody fun, dude. Don't know what to tell you there. It was The thing with these tours is it all depends really. I mean, is it about putting on a fantastic comedy show for that town? Yes, it is, first and foremost. And that was upheld. The lineup was fantastic. But you got to spend a lot of time in the van with these blokes and women. Women and blokes and whatever else. So it's almost more important, the hang, the vibe on the bus. And we had a fantastic hang on this particular tour. So... Good mix of, of people, and we had a lot of fun after the shows, so that was great. But the reason I'm scarred from Dubbo, I don't know if I've ever told this story on the podcast, but when I was like 18, I went out to Dubbo to do, 
to do a cricket coaching camp as a coach, okay? I was not still chasing the dream, but it was me and my mate, uh, Flat from Cricket, Aiden, and we went out there. Uh, it was like 43 degrees every day, and when we arrived, it was revealed the pay was half as much of what we were promised, but whatever, dude, it's all good stuff. We were coaching with Australian cricket legend, Len Pascoe. So usually these coaching camps, they have like a an Australian cricket legend who's like the draw for the camp or whatever. And Len Pascoe is mad as a cut snake. He was mad then. This is bloody 10 years ago, nine years ago now. I can't imagine he's fucking switched on anymore. God bless him. But he's mad as a cut snake, that bloke. He was telling all the kids he bowled like 165 kilometers an hour. It's never been recorded before in international cricket. And at one point, he just showed the kids highlights of him like almost killing blokes. Like one guy hit in the head and he was and he was like, look at that. Hit in the head at 160 kilometers a fucking hour there, kids. Like not swearing, but it was crazy. He had his own app. You could get the Len Pasco app to keep up with what he's doing, his various speaking engagements and coaching engagements. And he was just nuts. And we were in a motel with Len Pasco for three nights. Every afternoon, we'd get a slab and just drink beers in the pool with Len. And he'd sort of just hold court. I was doing psychology at the time. That's how long ago this was. And he said, mate, computers are the future. Every degree except IT is a waste of time. He was one of these guys who was like, we'll all be speaking Mandarin in three years, you know? And he was just absolutely crazy. And then um, we went to the pub that night. And probably maybe the most scared I've ever been in my life. Me and Flat were walking home and we just got followed by this Commodore of Aboriginal blokes for like the whole way back to the motel, just like driving one kilometer an hour next to us. And Flat was a bit older than me. I was like, fucking hell, Flat. You know, I'm 18. I haven't even hit puberty yet at this point. That was four or five years off, unfortunately for me. We all go at our own pace, evidently. And I go, oh, Flat, I'm not loving this. There was a vibe in the air that we were going to get fucking jumped into next week. And Flack goes, don't worry, Bill, just throw as many as you can before you go down. I go, Jesus Christ, that's that's reassuring, isn't it? (laughs) So I pretty much just walk back to the motel almost in tears. Like that's how fearful I am of the beating we're about to receive. And I don't know what happened, but it was like, uh, I don't know if there were... I don't know, more vulnerable blokes on another block or something, but they just fucked off after like 20 minutes. So absolutely terrifying. And we're back out in the 43 degree heat with Lenny Pascoe the next day, who was telling everyone that he was actually better than Jeff Thompson and cricket's a lot of politics. So that was the last time I had been to Dubbo. I walked out onto the Dubbo Regional Theatre and thought, fuck yeah, it's good to be back, dude. So shout out to Dubbo. Actually went back to the same pub. Look, it's not a great town, okay? It's not a great town, and I wish them the best. Orange, the next night, that is a truly beautiful town of the Central West, okay? Fantastic wine region, fantastic cafes, fantastic bars, fantastic people. So, shout out to the Central West. At times, it leaves a lot to be desired, and at times, it's not too bad at all. But anyway bit of we're a little sports heavy today i want to talk a little bit about the cricket a little bit about the ufc and then i want to talk do the project i'm just thinking of the order in my head we're going to talk ufc first too much sachin tendulkar chat off the rip up top so 
Okay. I got confused because there's two UFC things I want to talk about. Firstly, UFC 295 is on this weekend. Massive pay-per-view. Massive. But then also, Volk's next fight got announced. So that's what I want to talk about as well. First, we'll start with the Volk. Alexander, the great Vulcan. Oh, <clears throat> I literally almost burst into tears just then, just saying his name. Okay? My voice just broke because of the respect I have for that man. But Alexander the Great Volkanovsky, he's back. Now, it's still a bit raw for me, but he's been announced. He's not fighting in January. He's fighting in February. And I've seen some people say that's a lot better, but at the same time, really, it's like an extra 28 days or whatever. He was knocked out cold, I want to say, what, two weeks ago or something? Literally two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Now he's fighting in February. I honestly think if you lose via TKO, you should have a full six-month medical suspension no matter what. I mean, they all claim to be like, yeah, CTE is really bad and stuff, but I'm not sure. So I'm not loving the fact that Volk's fighting in February. I do think he should wait six months. You know, he, he got wobbled by the head kick, but he ate about 75 million punches on the ground, including to the back of the head. So... Not loving it. Ilya Taporia, very tough opponent. Probably his toughest fight at featherweight in ages. I can't even remember his last tough fight at featherweight. So, yeah, I don't love it for the Volk. I did think it was too soon. And then I saw a video of him training with Meek Mill playing in the background. And I thought, fuck me, dude. It's not soon enough. Book it for next week, you know? I saw him hitting pads. You got Meek Mill in the background. Hold on, wait a minute. You thought I was finished? Dude, I just blacked out on the phone to sports bet. I was trying to live bet on a fight in February. They said, sir, 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 the fight has not begun. I said, round two knockout, round two. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I still think Volk should win. But at the same time, I'm pretty nervous because Ilya Taporia is very, very good looking. He's fresher than Sachin Tendulkar and Shubman Gill combined. And that's pretty fucking fresh, Okay. Ever since these Indian blokes have started getting half-sleeve tattoos, they're some of the freshest blokes around, and Ilya Taporia is even fresher than them. And I don't know, when you look at Ilya's hairline compared to the Volks, I think it's a tough fight. It is a tough fight. I don't know, like, you look at Taporia's resume, his biggest win is Josh Emmett. I mean, Yaya Rodriguez's biggest win was Josh Emmett, and look what the Volk did to him. I think if the Volk did not fly to Abu Dhabi on five minutes notice and get viciously KO'd by Islam Makachev for some reason, I would have Volk as a heavy favorite against Ilya Taporia. Okay, I think Ilya is going to have a tough time with the range. You know, Volk, Volk is used to fighting taller blokes. Ilya is the same height as him, probably. I just made that up, double check it. But I'm pretty sure he's pretty short Ilya. Likes to box on the inside. You think you're just going to walk in to the inside of Alexander Volkanovsky? Yeah, mate. Here's a ticket. Here's a ticket to the inside. Two for one on Sundays. Like, you, I just don't really see it, to be honest. I think I think Volk could wrestle. I don't know. I think Volk will win. But I, I do say this is the most nervous I've been for an Alexander Volkanovsky fight. Well, since the Islam fight three weeks ago. And look how that ended up, Okay. But yeah, I'm I'm not looking forward to my emotional state looking into this fight. But at the same time, Volt KO points, feed the family, take Volt KO points, take out your superannuation, and then take the kids up to Crescent Head. Treat them, okay? 
Easter, Crescent Head, beautiful that time of year, okay? Get the longboard out, catch a few fish, put them in foil over the fire. Teach your kids about the outdoors with the winnings from Alexander Volkanovsky KO points. So, yeah, I don't love it for the Volk. He's coming back a bit too soon, but at the same time, probably should still win. And really, as I sit here in my bedroom wearing a bucket hat, who am I to tell Alexander the Great Volkanovsky what to do and how to do it? But as a person who lives vicariously through him, I am extremely nervous for this fight. I think, please, for the love of God, Volk, just win at all costs and then fuck off to lightweight forever. I don't like this bouncing back and forth now. I think the featherweight guys are going to get too good, you know? Ilya Taporia now, but who else is coming? What if Bryce Mitchell unlocks the power of the Old Testament? We don't know what's coming up through the rankings, okay? So it's very... It just seems like it's going to be too hard to do both going forward. I know he wants double champ status, but I would honestly win and just... Like, he's not going to fight Islam again. So, I don't know. He'll probably just end up vacating the featherweight belt. The problem with featherweight is that Max Holloway is the greatest featherweight on the planet. And for some reason, (laughs) there's this other guy, Alex Volkanovsky, who's also a featherweight. And Max Holloway cannot shine his shoes. It's like Stuart McGill and Shane Warne on steroids. Imagine if Shane Warne was the greatest leg spin bowler on the planet, but then Stuart McGill like couldn't hit the pitch and he was the second best. It's a very, very weird situation at featherweight. And I think Volk just needs to win against Ilya at all costs and get the fuck out of there, okay? And then just fight the Bronx or something just for fucking, you know, because why not? But yeah, and then we got UFC 295 this weekend. Alex Pereira versus Yuri Prohaska. It's got to be the sickest fight of all time. I really don't care who wins as long as some bodies hit the floor. We got literally the hardest puncher in the world in Alex Pereira fighting against a samurai guy who doesn't block punches. So you would think that would be obvious who's going to win. But I don't know. Yuri lives in the woods, so I don't know if punches work on him. I honestly don't know if punches work on Yuri. They've never worked on him before. So it's a tough one to pick. I am just pumped. I really have no agenda apart from seeing a phenomenal main event. And I'm looking forward to that. I will say, if you want to fucking get some betting tips now that I'm thinking about it, not to go the distance. Take out your superannuation, put it on not to go the distance. That's going to be just a violent, violent affair. And then Tom Aspinall versus Sergei Pavlovich. My Lord, I reckon jump on Sergey knockout. I said it. His name's Sergey. It's a harder name than Tom. I don't think anyone will argue with me there. If you were, if you had to fight a guy personally, I said, mate, you can either fight this bloke called Sergey or you can fight this guy called Thomas. All right. I think it's pretty fucking obvious who's going to win that. Not to mention Tom Aspinall has the worst tattoos I've ever seen. They're power down. They're a power down tattoo. It's like Tom Aspinall, mate. Just one time before you run off to the tattoo parlor to get another fucking half devil, half dragon covering your whole back. Just run it past the missus, for Christ's sake. For the love of God, can you just say, just quickly, babe, I'm about to get this plastered across my whole back. I often cry when I receive a performance bonus because providing for my family means so much, but I am about to get a 15,000 pound back tattoo of a devil slash dragon in mostly black. Could I just get you to run your eyes over this quickly? I guarantee she'll veto it, mate. Like, is she just busy in the mornings when you head off to the parlor? 
what's happening with these tough stickers because they fucking suck. But yeah, I honestly think Sergey's resume is just a lot better than Tom's. He's knocked out Derek Lewis, tied to Avasa, Curtis Blades. Whereas Tom Aspinall, I think one of his knockout wins was against me. I think the UFC had me fight Tom Aspinall in London for one of those showcase fights last year. So I don't know. Everyone's really high on Tom Aspinall, but I just think at $2.00, 10 or whatever Sergey is as the underdog. Tom Aspinall has never really fought anyone who's a fighter. Just nameless cans in London with just like rabid, blind, pale men frothing at the gash. So, yeah, I don't know. Tough, tough one to pick. You could probably go that one not to go the distance either. Yeah, I mean, both those fights not to go the distance. And then we've got Jessica Andrade versus Mackenzie Dern. Yeah, it's, it's tough, dude. Mackenzie Dern, she's divorced. She's the hottest chick I've ever seen. She's got sickening jits. I know what you're thinking. It sounds like Macca on paper, but this is a Brazilian woman, if you can believe it. Jessica Andrade, if they made this fight two years ago, Jessica Andrade versus Mackenzie Dern, I would say don't even sanction this dude. Mackenzie Dern will leave in a stretcher, brother, okay? Now, Jessica Andrade has lost like ugh, four in a row or something. She's fought like five times this year. She just takes fights every two weeks. I don't know if she bought into a, a, a house in the wrong neighborhood in Brazil and the rent has gone through the roof or what. But she really just fights anyone, anytime, anywhere. Tries to chin them. If she misses, then she gets chinned and that's the end of that. So, I mean, it's going to be tough if it if it's, keeps on the feet. I don't love it for Mackenzie. But at the same time, yeah, Jessica Andrade is just fighting so, so, so badly at the moment. So I'd probably bet on Mackenzie Dern for that one. And then and then to start the card, Matt Frivola versus Benoit Saint-Denis. Jesus Christ, dude. I don't even know. I would not want to fight either of these men. This is going to be fucking the most violent thing you've ever seen in your life. The people's main event. I just don't even know. I mean... Benoit Saint-Denis, this French bloke, is literally an insane marauder. But Matt Frivola is from Long Island and they're fighting in New York. So I don't know how it works. If you get like enough like Italian-American bogan scum in an arena, if like Matt Frivola's eyes are just going to glow in the dark like the fucking avatar from all the Italian energy in the arena. I can't imagine what these people from New Jersey are going to be saying to this French fella as he walks to the octagon. I imagine much of it will be derogatory and potentially discriminatory in nature okay i don't know if you can be racial to a white french man but i guarantee that many of the blokes in the nosebleeds will give it their best shot so that's going to be an absolute banger i probably have that inside the distance as well if you're looking to make some money on your sunday but anyway yes yeah, so a bit of ufc banter there i should have gone volk last because i got too into it the, the trick with me and, and sport analysis is to really just skirt through things I really care about because I just get too passionate and it's not funny at all, okay? That's why I can, I've can i put a time limit on myself. I can only talk about Usman Khawaja for 90 seconds before I have to break and like, you know, talk about whatever David Warner's been up to with Candice just to de-stress and depressurize uh, before I get back into Uzi and whatever that fantastic man is up to. Okay, just a couple of things here. I was just going to comment on... The Cricket World Cup, I've not been watching it, unfortunately. I've just, 
I just blanked the World Cup when it started. I go, one day cricket's dead. I'm not doing it. And I am regretting that decision because I've missed some bumper games. I've been catching up on the highlights. Shout out, first and foremost, to Glenn Maxwell. I just woke up to the news. What the fuck even was that, dude? How do you score 201 chasing 290? And one of the Afghani, uh, the Afghani blokes dropped him twice before 30. And shout out to the bloke at short, fine leg. I'm sorry, but I would not be going to Afghanistan back there after that. I'd not be going back to a government with a short temper after I just dropped Maxi at short, fine leg on an absolute dolly. And he goes on to get 201 chasing down 290. I mean, I don't even know how you could ever put on a pair of cricket boots again after that. Forget about it, dude. That's the most insane innings I've ever seen. And one day cricket, yeah, I got to say, I've been super, super negative about it in the past, but this World Cup has probably taught me that there's a place for the World Cup itself, which I have said previously. I think World Cup every four years, apart from that, don't even fucking worry about it. We don't need these seven match series against South Africa at 3 a.m. in the morning. And as, as much of a success as this World Cup has been, and as much as Glenn Maxwell just played the sickest innings anyone's ever seen. Like, in India, the the cricket-mad nation on the planet, there was like seven people in the stands. So, one day cricket is dead, but maybe the World Cup tournament format is not. And I like this uh, big group stage thing they're doing. So, shout out to the ever-corrupt ICC. But, what I wanted to talk about was this uh, Sri Lanka-Bangladesh controversy. Angelo Matthews, Sri Lanka captain... And I've been a bit of a fan of Angelo over the years. He had a, I think he scored a ton in Australia in a test. Double check that. But he's been around since fucking 07 or something, Angelo. He looks it as well. He's looking old. And uh, so he's walked to the crease in a pretty crucial situation against Bangladesh. And he gets to the crease and he realizes his helmet strap is actually broken. And he goes, he walks off to fix his helmet. Bangladesh appeal and he's timed out. Okay, you can appeal, I think, if the batsman doesn't get to the crease in three minutes or 90 seconds or some shit. It never really comes up because how hard is it just to walk to the fucking pitch? It takes all of 10 seconds. Now, Bangladesh appeal and he's out and they get him out. They get out their Sri Lankan captain at a crucial juncture, timed out. Yeah, people are blowing up about this and I got to say... I'm going to have to jump on board with Michael Vaughan and the old white fellas on Twitter and say that this is an absolute disgrace, okay? I'm going to have to... I know I know. I traditionally wear a bucket hat on this show, but right now I'm wearing a wool knit and a, and a baggy cap, okay? And I've got sweat stains everywhere, okay? This just isn't cricket. It's not cricket in any way, shape or form. I just don't like people uh, being given out when the ball's not even live. Like, that's the thing with the man-catting, like... Shout out to Starkey, who warned a couple of uh, blokes in this tournament. I think warn a bloke, like, I think Starkey warned someone in the first over. Run in and say, oi, you do that again, I'm running you out, cunt, okay? And then if, if he does it again, no harm, no foul. This one, though, it's not like he took five minutes to come out first and foremost. Like, it's not like the bloke was making a toasted sandwich in the fucking sheds going, I'll be out in a minute, lads. This ham, cheese, and tomato just is taking forever to cool down. And I will say that Angelo Matthews coming out, it's a bit Johnny Bairstow, like coming out, his helmet is broken and he doesn't realize till he gets to the pitch. It's a bit like, mate, fucking hell, like mind your P's and Q's a little bit. Can you just be on top of what's happening? But at the same time, 
it's pretty it's pretty fucking bang average. Okay, it's a complete disgrace to the game. It's marred what would have otherwise been a pretty interesting result. And yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's not great. It's not a great look for the Bangladesh captain because it wasn't his idea. One of the lads said we should appeal here. He's panicked and appealed, and now he's sort of the face of this of this disaster. Again, it's one of those things where it's like the spirit of the game has been called into question. Cricket is really the only sport where we have to behave according to this esoteric old man ghost that is constantly watching over every game of cricket that's played all over the planet. It's like, I mean, there's a lot of blokes out there who don't believe in God, but believe in the spirit of cricket. So riddle me that. But yeah, this one is honestly fucking dog shit. I think Angelo Matthews, he's got to put his hand up and say, look, fucking shit house from me. I don't know if he ran it past the Bangladesh captain. I would like to see him just say, hey, mate, I've got to go fix my helmet here. And the Bangladesh captain go, all right, then. He obviously hasn't done that, but at the same time, it's fucking ridiculous. And uh, and yeah, just not a good look for the game. So, I don't know. I I wrote down a couple of things about that, but I kind of then just disregarded that and just said it was a fucking disgrace because that's what it is. So, that's what I think about that. That's what I think about that. And it just, this sort of stuff, it gets in the way of the game itself. The game we all know and love, you know. And that's the thing. I see England still carrying on about this John Bairstow thing. And it's like, I saw Bairstow said, I wasn't attempting to run. And it's like, cunt, the ball's life. We don't have time to check in with your body language and your your internal dialogue and see what your intentions were second to second. You know what I mean? Just stay in your fucking crease, okay? If the batsman has to go off to get his helmet, don't appeal. There's no, The ball hasn't been bowled, you know? Common sense often prevails in these situations, and when it doesn't, that's where we get left with these these stupid events. Anyway, the project for this week is also a bit cricket-themed, but it's a little bit different, okay? It's a little bit bloody different. So, the project for this week is the segment where we celebrate Australian talent killing it here and abroad, and this week I'd like to shout out a YouTuber, Okay? Now, I'm not someone who watches YouTubers. Uh, I actually spend a lot of my time focused on myself, okay? But there is a YouTuber that I've spent a lot of time watching over the years whose account was terminated over the weekend in some sort of a copyright issue. I don't know how it works, but Robelinda2, the famous Australian cricket channel. This guy has posted hours upon hours of cricket highlights from the Australian summers over the years and and non-Australian events as well. And, you know, if your mental health is taking a dip, I can't tell you the amount of times where I've been in a bit of a dark spot and a Mike Hussey cover drive compilation has got me out of it, okay? Sometimes you just think, fuck, maybe I'm just not that good. Maybe I should give up on my comedy dreams. And then you watch Damian Martin just punch a ball on the up through cover point and you think, you know what, fuck that dude, I'm going to make it, okay? So Robelinda 2, he's kept a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of young men and women whose love for the game of cricket has got in the way of developing any social skills whatsoever. He's been there for them when they've needed it with these, this fantastic archive of cricket footage. His account has been terminated permanently due to copyright infringements. I can't believe it hasn't happened years ago. He does not own even one second of the content he posts. And Cricket Australia actually stepped in a couple of years ago 
and got in the way. YouTube took him down and they said, we don't care about the copyright infringements. Let him go. Let him go. And shout out to CA for doing that. But apparently some nerd cricket, uh, some guy with like a Indian cricket channel has done a copyright thing. And I was speaking to a friend of mine, Jenny Tian, last night. She's got a YouTube comedy special coming out. And apparently people on YouTube can just say they own the rights to something and, and you get a copyright strike. I'm not 100% sure how it works, but the guy who got Ro Belinda 2 terminated, apparently he only had like 200 subscribers or something. So I have no idea how the copyright stuff on YouTube works. Um, but yeah, it's an absolute shame. Shout out to an Australian legend. One of the great Australian YouTubers of all time. Move over that chick on the Gold Coast with fake tits because we're paying homage to a real YouTuber today. Robolinda 2, thanks for the memories. We're going to miss you, okay? We miss you. We want to kiss you. And thanks for keeping a lot of freckly, pimply 16-year-olds off a ledge with those fantastic highlights pe- packages. We salute you, sir. Anyway, that is the podcast for this week. Hope you enjoyed it, etc. Second half coming up with Rowan. I got to say, it's probably our weirdest episode ever. So I don't know. Rip into that and let me know what you think. And thanks for listening. While I'm here, I was thinking of something to remember. I am posting some stand up comedy clips at the moment. So, you know, share them with a friend or post them on your story or whatever. And uh, it can be a good help to me selling some tickets next year. Thanks for listening, etc. All right, legends. Welcome back to yet another. Second half of Get Around Me with our darling boy, Rowan Arneal. Rowan, mate, what is doing? Zen as ever, mate. Zen as ever. Potentially alluding to some of today's topics <laughs> with your mental health regimen that you're currently on. <laughs> mate, it's a good regimen. <laughs> it's a great regimen, mate. Let's put that to the side for one second. It's Melbourne Cup Day, mate. What is your stance on Melbourne Cup? Anti. Your anti-Melbourne Cup. I lost $7 today. I also lost a little bit today, not too much. My boss lost more, but um, he's got the money I don't. Yeah, my sister doesn't know how trifectas worked, and she texts through that her boss won $500,000. <laughs> and then she texts through, wait, no, it was $1.5 million. And then she said, wait, no, it was way less than that. Mm. No, obviously. Yeah, no shit. I won 400 bucks one year. I was pretty pro the cup that year. I was like screaming in my living room. Really? It was so good. Yeah, the biggest win I've ever had in my life was on the Melbourne Cup. $2,000 off a $5 trifecta. What? Yeah, and I went up to my boss, who was a legend. It was when I was working that office job during COVID. And I said, mate, I've never won this much money before. I have to go. (laughs) And he was like, I totally understand. Yeah. And then I just left for the afternoon and just got on the piss with Macronazzi. Yeah, because you can't just sit back down into emails after winning two grand. Well, it's like now I'm sitting down at this job where I'm earning like 47K a year. It's like, I just earned, do the maths on that. I've just earned two weeks pay. Yeah, exactly. And it's Tuesday. Dude, have the have your Wednesday. Have your Thursday. Yeah. Have your Friday because I'm out in front. <laughs> but mate, the up to the cup stuff, I don't even know what goes on because it comes up every year. I, I, I read yesterday that every second day in Australia, a racehorse dies. And I was like, oh, okay. Oh, okay, Jesus. <laughs> of natural causes, maybe? Yeah, unrelated. I was, I was scanning. It could, could be unrelated. Did, did the trailer fall off the back of the ute? What are we talking <laughs> here?
Dude, absolute stitch up I saw. I don't know who's responsible for this, but uh, Matilda's star Courtney Vine was at the Melbourne Cup. Oh, no. All dressed up. You know, look at the goods, mate. The comments were not look at the goods. That's the thing. It's not 2009 anymore, girls. You can't be like that. But some female celebrities go to the Melbourne Cup, surely. Oh, some of them do, but some of them don't have- Those celebrities don't have like a million lesbian fans. Yeah. It's where you- your fans lie. If you have queer fans- You're you- fucked. You cannot be looking the goods at Flemington Racecourse. You just can't. You can't. No, it's not possible. I don't know who in the Matilda's PR team- <laughs> I don't know who's responsible, but I'm saying a couple of bodies need to hit the floor for that decision. Well, sports people love a punt, so she should be allowed. I mean, they're two worlds that don't often collide. That's true. Yeah, I don't know. My take on the cup is very up to the year. So I've been anti it before. I've been vaguely anti it. But um, give me an afternoon off school or a little bit of money. I don't give a shit. I liked the the pageantry of the day. Mm. Last few years, me and Macro have just been going to the pub, just getting written off in suits. <laughs> so good. But dude, last year we went to the stadium in Manly. What? Like there was no one there. <laughs> And then you just look around, it's just me and Macca in an empty pub, just blind at like 3.45 p.m. And you were wearing suits? Oh, yeah. Oh, no, boys. We were wearing our wedding slash funeral suits. <laughs> Weddings, funerals, and races. So, yeah, we did that last year. No Instagram stories. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. The Melbourne Cup, dude. <laughs> That's funny. There's some things now where you're like, no Instagram stories. <laughs> no Instagram stories. Yeah, you're keeping this one out of the public eye, but... Yeah, I don't know. I've never really looked into this up to the cup stuff before, and then I saw that all these racehorses are dying. I thought, oh, that's not. I love that. Yeah, I think exchange it, mate. Get the dogs on the track. That's what they want. Yeah. Well, what happened with that? Well, I don't know. Well, I think with that, they wanted to ban them just because of like the property there is like worth so much money for development. Like, Mike Baird wasn't, like, being at home, being like, oh, the dogs, oh, no. Because like, that's- The vibe on the streets was that Mike Baird was caring for these young pups. Nah, nah. Inside property deals. But then, I mean, property versus the gambling industry, that's two big boys right there. Mm. Yeah. Well, they're fucking idiots because they're like, okay, okay, we'll be good, we'll be good. It's a family sport. But if you want to get rid of the dogs, just what? make it illegal to bet on and they'll be gone in a day. Wait, the dog dog racing is a family sport. That's what they were saying, yeah. Who the fuck said that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> the people that make lots of money off greyhounds. Mate, the greyhound, mate, I don't even know. The problem with this stuff is, have you ever tried to bet on humans running? It's fucking shithouse. It is shithouse, yeah. Like, no one's betting, not the Usain Bolt era, no one was cashing in on that. No. It, you never heard, can you even bet on the Olympics? You can't, can you? <laughs> Can you? I don't know. Surely you can bet on the Olympics. I don't think you can. Really? Have you ever bet on the Olympics? But I don't really bet. I bet when you send me things drunk. And then I accidentally put too much money on and then I'm invested in the UFC for a day. Yeah. But now I'm just thinking, I don't think you can bet on the Olympics because I was watching the Olympics pretty hard out in 2020. Yeah. If I could have bet on it. I would have. Are you Googling this right now? Yeah, yeah, I'm Googling this. All right. This is the closest thing. I've tried to Google two things before in the history of this podcast, and both times, uh, I think my (laughs) Safari just timed out. Didn't have a strong connection, unfortunately. Um, Because it's amateur sport, technically. uh, (laughs) Oh, you're okay. 
can you bet on this? People can now bet on the Special Olympics for the first time. So I think that's progress. Can, that's progress. You can bet on the Olympics. You can bet on the Olympics. Yeah, but I'm having to go to a sports bet site, which is quite annoying. Okay, well, that's not too bad. And now you, you can, can bet on the Special Olympics. The Special Olympics and the Paralympics are the same Olympics, are they not? Um, yeah, they are the same Olympics. I think the, um, one guy, I think one of them is just after the other. Wait, the Paralympics and the Special Olympics, they're the same thing, right? Yes. Yeah. You can't say Special Olympics, eh? I don't know. I don't think you can. It feels wildly inappropriate. Yeah, I think it's the Paralympics. It's it's totally the Paralympics. Why'd you say special? You said special. But it was on the internet like that. What website were you on? It was just Google and someone had asked the question, can you bet on the Special Olympics? <laughs> and then I read it out. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Which, which I guess if you're involving people. Yeah, right. Okay. Well, that's why we don't go to Google too yeah, often. Let's never do that again. Let's I don't like that Let's never do that again. <laughs> What the fuck goes on on Google, dude? Like, Jesus Christ. Anyway, um, I think roundabout, just to cap that whole thing off. We're ambivalent about this. Nup to the cup. Nup to the cup, ambivalent. Our feelings about the Paralympics couldn't be stronger. Couldn't be stronger, yeah. I prefer it to the Olympics. And on the record, if it was a choice between horses and disabled people dying, we would choose... Disabled people. Oh, fuck. I got no, the wrong horses, horses. Rowan. Sorry. Jesus Christ, yeah. dude. I just saw you say disabled people and point to me. On it. So, yeah. I was no, I giving- pointed you like, give the answer, Rowan. <laughs> I heard two thumbs off when I said disabled people, though. So, that must count for something. All right. Well, whatever, mate. So, you're taking mushrooms daily at the moment. And this could be a good segue because you're not the sharpest I've ever seen. You, you went to some... So I asked you a pretty serious question about gambling on the Olympics. You've gone straight to some sort of a Reddit sub thing where they're making fun of disabled people. Well, you clearly a subscriber. It came up in your favourites. Well, my mum was actively calling me while I was looking as well. I was like, get the fuck out of here. Jesus it was too- Christ. I'm never picking up my phone again during my art, mate. Never again. Well, mate, here's the thing is it should be on aeroplane mode. You've disrespected the stew. Well, due to my phone sound not working, it's always on do not disturb. See, you do this. I live on Do Not Disturb. No, but you do this where, like, you'll get pulled up on something and then you'll just say something <laughs> so off tap that technically justifies your actions. You have, Do you have any examples? Any other examples? I do have a couple of examples. Oh, really? Fuck. Um, firstly, you're banned from Uber, which gets you out of splitting any Ubers <laughs> yeah. we get. You try to split a fucking Didi with me in Toowoomba. They don't even have Didi out there, mate. Mate, Queensland rides for Didi, bro. Yeah. If you are gonna, if you need Rowan to split for a cab with you, <laughs> yeah. Queensland is the place. You better be in Brisbane. That's why I don't take you to Perth, mate. I could afford to. I just know you're fucking useless over there. <laughs> yeah, that is something I'm going to get on this year. Before the end of the year, I'm going to call up Uber and I'm going to call up Sportsbet about my Melbourne Cup loss today. Being like, I got three out of four trifectas. What gives? Don't be fucking babies. Give me three quarters of it. Hand over the cash. I should at least get $300. Minimum. And if they say anything about it, I will freak out. Like, I'll be so cruel and personal. Let me tell you, I actually tried to contest a UFC bet with Sportsbet the other week. <laughs> and let me tell you, they just you just get sent to a robot and they don't give a fuck. They don't give a fuck. There's no helpline. <laughs> yeah. There's no fucking any of this shit. <laughs> they weren't responding to any of your discrimination. No, it was the Logan Paul fight as well where it was, a, it was like a no contest or a DQ or something. And I had Logan Paul by points. 
But yeah, I mean, it makes sense. You couldn't possibly <laughs> put a human down with a headset on and say, anyway, mate, the lines are open. Yeah. Let us know what comes through. Yeah. Just remember to write everything down and be really polite to all the men screaming at you. And don't give away your race or sexuality, whatever you do. Um, I was once at... um. Working at a butchery and a guy came in and was like, oh, mate, I got um chicken here from Sunday um, and I had a barbecue and kids got sick, cooked it properly. Nah, 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 nah. And they were like, all right, yeah, when'd you get it? Nah, nah, nah. Which is bullshit. We go through the chicken so quickly and they were like, oh, we can give you store credit. So, or- so he was saying that the chicken was bad. Yeah. And you've poisoned his family. Yeah. Um, and my boss was just like, whatever, I can give you the money or you can have the same amount here. And he was like, oh, I'll take the money. And as he walked away, I was like, do you reckon we sold him bad chicken? He's like, nah, it's impossible. Um, we go through the boxes like so quickly. We get delivered every two days. Um, he's an alcoholic, right? <laughs> he's like, he's someone that has a gambling or alcohol issue and they'll do that. They'll just come to a place and kind of rough demand like $40. And then you just say, give it to them or tell them to fuck off. But he's like, yeah, they exist. Whoa. Just a bloke whose wife watches his bank account. Yeah, right. That goes and does a small little scam like that. To stay in the black with the missus. Yeah, to, to Mate, go, go put fr- a punt on or go buy a long neck. Yeah. How fucked is that? That's pretty- Yeah, that's pretty desperate, that. That's pretty desperate, bro. It kind of freaks me out that an alcoholic can afford to shop at a butcher and I can't. Well, also, he probably never even came to the butchery. Oh, really? Yeah, he's like, yeah, I paid in cash. So, full scam. Full scam. Yeah, that's that's when, a bit unfortunate, When there's really. just a bloke being like, you've poisoned my family, you're just like, oh, you take fucking 30 bucks. Well, mate, that's- How many interactions, like those sort of things, where it's not really about being right, it's about just- I'm willing to cause more of a scene than you. Exactly. It's like you yeah. when you're in a 7-Eleven and your pockets are filled with sausage rolls <laughs> and coffees and you've got four shots in the small cup. Well, I'm, I'm, you're, the look you're giving these poor blokes is that I'm willing to freak out. Are you? <laughs> no, no. I'm not doing it like that. I'm being very sly and no one knows I'm stealing apart from the one time where I was very hungover. Um, just stack the wrap while you make the coffee. It's that simple. Dax the rap while you make the coffee. <laughs> well, it's much more like you getting pulled up by a transit officer and refusing to give them your wallet and saying, I'm leaving now. I'm sorry, but I'm leaving. <laughs> okay, firstly, you've mis- you did not get my tone right. At- oh, I thanked her. <laughs> yeah, which is a piece of shit move, by the way. I said, I thank you so much. I have to go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but I'm not getting fined for not tapping onto the fucking tram. Like, come on. Yeah, yeah. Come on. At some point, a man has to put up a boundary. Mm. And that boundary separates me from the the world around me. That is true, yeah. And let's not forget, you're an alpha male and you just need everyone to hear your voice. Do you think that's part of it? You needed to kind of belittle this woman in front of a bunch of people. Well, no, it was the complete opposite, actually. She belittled me, if anything. <laughs> she was throwing her authority around like you would not believe. Mm. And what doesn't get talked about is that behind me, right? So, I'm sort of at the front of the carriage. You know how each carriage has like a door either side? Yeah. Where you can go in between the carriage. So, I'm like right towards the front. Behind me, right? Four Aboriginal women who hadn't tapped on. <laughs> And so, I, I knew that I had to take the bullet for the- You took the bullet, yeah. For the carriage, yeah. Yeah, yeah for the carriage. And, and it's it's not something I mentioned previously because- <laughs> Yeah. 
obviously. Bit of a, you one, know. One of the most selfless people I know. Well. <laughs> mate, Billy Darcy never likes to mention his wins, mate. Until you give him half a Dexy and three beers and he corners you. <laughs> well, I'm just saying that didn't want to bring those details to the front, but I've done it now. And also, mate, me skipping out on a tram fine is not the same as you stealing every single day from the servo. <laughs> because the tram came to me. You went to the servo. But let's not forget that they're still probably making money off me because of the $1.50 coffee. And sometimes it's too red hot and I have to buy things. Let's not forget those. Okay. <laughs> those beautiful times. You've turned this podcast into like too rat baggy of a vibe with, yeah, your, with yeah. your thievery. But you also brought up the thievery. Let's not forget that. Oh, mate, I don't really know what's happening yeah. today. Sorry, boys. We've derailed. We've derailed hard. No. I, I actually am going to turn the gun on myself here <laughs> for starting with the nup to the cup. <laughs> yeah, the one thing neither of us really give a shit about. I don't, yeah, we have no feelings about it. <laughs> yeah. I just want to get pissed with Maka in a suit and not have either one, uh, lost a loved one or have one of the lads be getting married. Yeah. And it costs like $600 to go. <laughs> yeah, fuck. I'm getting absolutely ruined by a wedding right now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm getting absolutely ruined. <laughs> they're expensive. They are expensive. Man, uh, there, there's a high chance within the next two weeks I'll be dipping into a little thing known as the New South Wales Government Trade Loan. Ooh. Oh, really? For your tools, mate? <laughs> For my tools, mate. Yeah, you're in trouble. Oh. I, was, I was saying to you the other day, I've started looking at booking some gigs for January. Mate, you've got to stack up your January. <laughs> yeah, dude. I don't know what Billy Darcy will be doing on January 18, but I know that that cunt will need a grand ASAP. Yeah. Mate, I actually might be forced hand up to go back to Cronulla for the right price. For the right price? For the right price. And the right price might be so low. That's the thing. And that's the other thing is the price goes up and down. Yeah. People talk about the price going up. Mm. You know, you hear when people like do some big thing in show business, they're like, the price just went up. Yeah. But people don't often talk about the fact that sometimes the price will go down. Mate, my day rate has been, day rate has been fucking just going down. Oh, massively. <laughs> but, you know, the ups and the downs, the highs and the lows. But, mate, what were we going to talk about? I just wanted to talk about poor Courtney Vine getting harangued yeah, for going yeah. to the Melbourne Cup. It, it, was, a spo- it was a sponsored post. Yeah. <laughs> my girl's just copying five grand out the back. To turn mm. up in a, in a dress because she's the highest profile Matilda they could get. She's the yeah. only one that doesn't play in Europe. Yeah. That's tough. Poor girl. Poor girl. And also, she might be there and also might feel quite bad for the horses. Yeah. I just don't think Courtney Vine should be the face of animal cruelty <laughs> yeah, that's today. A fair, that's a fair call. That's a fair so, call. So, just throwing that out there. <laughs> I'll give you that. I used to love Melbourne Cup because it meant that mum came home pissed and we'd have bacon and eggs for dinner and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. That's- Mum's all boozy. Oh, that's that's it. It's a yeah. white wine day. Actually, I support any day that kind of hinges on white wine. That's yeah, fun. That is fun, yeah. I was drinking some white wine over the weekend, actually, and it is a bit of like a who cares beverage. Oh, the biggest who cares beverage. I'll fucking say it. I'll say it. It's very that. Yeah. No, I do like white wine. I only really drink it at weddings or on the road or whatever, but it's a summer drink. It's fun. And it does get a bit silly, but <laughs> my track record on it isn't great, to be honest. <laughs> Anything off the beers. You're you're a pretty good red wine drunk. Yeah, red wine's good because it slows me down. Yeah, I'm a, yeah. You need to slow me down. Yeah, yeah. You know? Not the stimulants. 
I might enjoy them, but maybe ask the people around me, you know? It's atrocious. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, could, could somebody just get Billy Darcy a bit louder and more revved up, thanks? <laughs> yeah, awesome. No, it just feels like the first 12 schooners he had, they're not really doing anything. I'm not sure. I just think maybe this guy, he's probably a bit low-key for mine. Yeah. We just get him some stimulants ASAP. Yeah, it's just that he's, his nose is touching my nose, but I feel like I could feel his breath a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, that's comedy. That's good stuff. Yeah, you just got to, you know, up is down is side to side, just... Just know where you fit into the yeah. to this crazy thing we call life, eh, Rowan? Exactly, mate. And right now, it's about taking a small amount of mushrooms every day. Full and, circle. And That's just, hosting. Sh- yeah, shaping stone, being grateful for your life, being like, fucking oath, nice. So, mate- Maybe I shouldn't care about how much money I'm about to lose in the next three weeks. Also, yeah, you bitching about losing all this money, you're losing it on like two bucks parties and a wedding. Yeah, yeah. In fact, no, one of the weekends we're going to Newcastle to get on the piss. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so come on, be grateful. Yeah. Let's yep. turn that frown upside down. Yep. And I, I just need to buy some shoes and then we're all good. And get then the shoes. Whatever I choose to purchase for this wedding slash bucks. Mate, maybe I'll just do a sober November, save heaps of money. I don't think so, mate, I don't unfortunately. Think that- but mate, speaking of you've you've taken you've taken the steps in your life, a mental health plan, if you will. You are microdosing shrooms each day. Well, occasionally. Occasionally. When I when I feel sad, to be honest, <laughs> which I don't think you're supposed to do. I think you're supposed to like take them for like three days and off for three days or something. Um, well, mate, I haven't looked into it because I myself am not microdosing shrooms. Yeah, yeah. I would think that potentially, if you were. I, I know we, we've seen you on Google, mate. You're quite sharp with it. <laughs> well, you've also seen me kind of living my life and I'm not known for my thoroughness. Yeah. I don't know, mate. I'm not loving this now because before I'd put a spoonful of hu- or a teaspoon of honey in my coffee mm. and you were sort of into me for that. <laughs> well, you were. whenever Billy has any sort of a health trend is popping up, I know- that it's coming from a very duplicitous place. I know that it's coming from a weird podcast that you shouldn't be listening to about bros broing out. I know it. And yeah, I was right. It's because John Jones put, put a bit of honey on his tongue before he fought. Who did he fought? Before every big fight. The championship fights. Before the championship because fight. Because the thing with honey, Rowan, that you're failing to understand is that it's slow release energy. Oh. So, what do you- the difference between you and me is when I get dragged into the, the deep waters of the fourth and fifth round by a Brazilian, <laughs> I'm still there. You are still I'm there. I'm still fighting. I'm yeah. in his face. You're yep. fading down the down the straight because you failed to have honey in your diet. And everything I've read about John Jones, critical thinker. He's a critical thinker. And we'll leave it at that. <laughs> did, did, he, did he murder someone? I don't think he murdered them. Manslaughter. Manslaughter. Drunk driving. Drunk driving, manslaughter. And this isn't on the record, but I'm pretty sure he did not have his honey that day. Okay. Well, there we go. Well, there you go. A case for the honey. So, you've got your things, mate. I've got mine. The honey hasn't really altered my life in any way so far. How are the shrooms treating you, mate? Mate, you feel pretty grateful. And you do have to stop yourself from telling- Like, I was just watching rap videos with some people around here. And I had, I was like, mate, 
I'm so fucking grateful for all you guys. And then I was like, oh, sorry, sorry. I've been taking a few stems of mushrooms, boys. Yeah. <laughs> Don't mean to be too intense. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going around the room. Marcus, Nat, Jackson, you guys. Mm, mm. So, there's that, obviously. And then I went on a date where I took a bit too much and then caught, got on the wrong train because I came up the platform and I just saw a group of people. And instead of looking at if that was my train- I just saw the group of people and were like, these are my people. These are my people. Look at them. You might not have seen the right train, but you saw the path. I saw the path. And then it turns out my path was an express to Strathfield and I was 40 minutes late. Yep. Um, had to catch a $22 Uber to make it there on time. But you still made it on time. Well, not on time. 40 minutes late. Oh, you were 40 minutes late. <laughs> yeah. As okay. well as paying for the Uber. But I did message. I did politely message her and tell her a lie of why I was late. Well, that's all you can do. Yeah. And they say chivalry's dead. And then about 40 minutes into the date, I kind of- She you revealed that we're both kind of rat bags, so it's all good. Yeah, nice. And- yeah, actually, mate, I don't know if this is something you want to talk to, but I reckon this is a little bit rock and roll. This chick following you out of a comedy gig the other week. Oh, yeah, that was rock and roll. It's a bit rock and roll, it mate. It was a bit rock and roll, yeah, actually. Yeah, it's a little bit rock and roll. So, yeah. Rowan was- I just remembered another story that is actually not for the pod. So, <laughs> let, we'll skip over that one. So, so we- <laughs> I'm, Well, I kind of want to hear that story. Well, no, so we did Bondi. Yeah, yeah. And then we we're in the first half of that show. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I heard there was some drama in the second half. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. That's, that's- I wasn't there, so I don't know what that's about. I wasn't about. there either. But- you drop me home, which was sick. Yeah. Appreciate that. And then you head over to Erskineville to do a gig, mate. And you've got that first gig on your belt. You're warmed up, ready to go. You get in there, mate. You're ripping and tearing. Mm. This is just what I heard in the various Reddit groups. <laughs> I'm, all, I'm, all Billy saw was Billy was watching alone. Then I came home and was like, the most beautiful woman gave me a number. I, <laughs> I was just walking around the house being like, that will never happen again. That will never happen again. You got to take your wins. So basically, you had a great set at Erskineville. And then this woman from the crowd follows you out and goes, you're so attractive. Well, she just said, can I have your number? And I said, oh, oh. And then she failed to put it in her phone. And then I failed to put it on her phone. And then we got it in. Got and it then, in. Yep. Mate, how good's that? The arts. The arts. Yeah, finally. Every fucking shit RSL gig with a bunch of women that have tiny little short haircuts staring at me angrily. It's all worth it, mate. It's all worth it. Yeah. Mate, really, you talk about the love of the game. You talk about following your passion. <laughs> what we're really in it for is to attract women who would otherwise be not interested in us. That's stand-up comedy. Yeah. That's, that's, that's- I'm just repeating what you were saying to me the other night. Oh, shut <laughs> up. <laughs> that has never been my goal. I'm looking for creative fulfillment. No, but it is pretty cool, though. It is pretty cool. There's not many other jobs where, like, if you're wicked at HR, yeah. you can't really sort of benefit from that. That's actually really the antithesis of mm. that whole department. Mm. Um, but there you go, mate. There, Yeah. And it turns out if a person likes to stand up, they will be chill as well. We blazed, like, five joints together on a first date. Yeah. <laughs> After 40 minutes, I was like, all right, guards are down. I think you're a bit of a fucking bong rat. <laughs> do you want to go blaze outside? Which yep. you can't do on Hinge. You can't just call it 40 <laughs> minutes in and be like, hey, you seem like you might have done way too many drugs in your life. Join me outside. Join me outside, <laughs> yeah. I love it when- And also, this was a Friday night date that you yeah. went on. So, this happens, which is good. 
I love it when just like, and maybe an hour into date, whenever, however long, one hour or so, you just go, a date just turns into a session. Yeah, yeah. And then you're just hanging out. So good. So good, dude. They did um, last call and it was her round and she was like, should I get four bolters? And I was like, I don't think you should get four bolters, but I love the energy. I absolutely love the energy. Yeah, that's a Bolters, yeah. That's a lot. Mm. It's too many. I was- um, We were in the um, Uber back to mine to drink red wine and smoke joints outside. Mate, what about- I'm sorry. What about the ticker on this chick? I feel like I would- be struggling to keep up with you when you're in this sort of mood, mate. Yeah, I don't know. Well, she also start like I was drinking beers in the backyard with Marcus beforehand, so I had a bit of a head start, possibly for my body weight. So we've evened out there, maybe. She told me that she was nervous and just smoked a bunch of weed before the date, and then was like, "Oh, that was a bad idea." So moon for my own heart. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is possibly the most dangerous thing to ever happen to me. Yeah, I said, <laughs> I said, I said to Rowan, I'm, I'm going to enjoy being subscribed to this. Yeah, as it as it develops, two just two just wild rat bags crashing <laughs> together. Oh, so you're just gonna put out that fire with more fire, huh? Okay. Historically, it hasn't worked out in this scenario, but but you we'll never see. know. We'll see. Um, and then um, we we're in the back of the the Uber was playing Snoop Dogg, and she was talking about rap, and I was like, oh, who do you like? And she's like, oh, I like Joe Badass and Joe Badass and um. Vince Staples, and I was like, I listen to them all the time. And we're talking about them. And then I'm like, oh, I also, um, I ride for the Australian boys pretty hard. And she just didn't respond. And I was like, who gives a fuck? Yeah, I love Husky. I'm a big Husky head. And she was like, I love Husky. I've seen Chillin' It three times. I'm like, we're on. (laughs) We're on. What are the chances? (laughs) What are the chances? And I did listen back to my set because I was doing the same set on Monday. And I was like, oh, now that I know her, I can kind of see why she was like this person. Because I was just talking about weed and job site shit. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, we'll put a pin in that, mate. But it's good to hear. It's good to hear. I just wanted to sort of, speaking of mental health, if we could segue yet again. Obviously, the mushrooms, mate, we wish you the best with those. Yep. Unprescribed, unregulated. <laughs> well, and now I- let's let's go in potentially in love in the mix as well. Well, I, I also forgot to take my actual medication over the weekend. So that. So then I took the mushrooms to be like, whoa, I'm not sad. Freestyling. Yes. Oh, Freestyling on his meds. <laughs> it's free solo. If you've ever watched that movie, Climb Without a Rope, mate. Yeah. That, I, <laughs> I'm just free soloing. The next the platform world. appears when you jump on the one before <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> That's exciting stuff, mate. But speaking of, mate, um, Huey sent this uh, Ben Stokes tweet through. I thought it was pretty funny. And, and it's on the topic of mental health, mate. Mm. I'll just read it out. Um so, you know, Ben Stokes, England captain, mate. Phenomenal head of hair, which feels unrelated, but here we go. Here's a tweet from the great man. In support of mental health. Mm. Okay. So, this is regard. He's tweeting about this and in support of mental health. And I love this because in the past, mate, I've struggled with mental health. So, as someone who has in the past struggled with mental health, I thought you would be able to relate to this. Mate, ask Lifeline. Rowan has been on the line. He's given them a fake name in a park before. There you go. (laughs) Well, this is right up your alley, mate. In support of mental health, I want to share how a hair transplant with Wimpole Clinic boosted my confidence. (laughs) (laughs) 
the results were astounding. I highly recommend Wimpole Clinic for anyone considering this procedure. See my story. <laughs> hashtag mental health. Hashtag mm. hair transplant. Nice. Mate, uh, I just wanted to get your take on that. Obviously, it's a, it seems like it's probably a sponsored post. I would say so, yeah. So, the big fellow, Stokes, he's got a new lid. Um, mate, I tell you what, the lids are getting unreal. You don't even fucking know anymore. Oh, they're incredible. They're incredible, these new lids, mate. But something maybe a lot of us have failed to see in the past is the impact these new lids are having on the mental health of the multi-millionaire men they sit on top of. <laughs> As someone who struggled in the past with mental health, Rowan, could you just give me your immediate reaction to that? Well, obviously, I just love that he's starting a dialogue, mate. I'm fine. I'm happy that men are finally brave enough to talk about this sort of stuff, mate. Conversation opened. Conversation opened. And a lot of people have said conversation opened probably 10 years ago. But every week in Bondi, there's a new bloke starting a mental health podcast. So, it's actually only beginning. Exactly. Exactly. And, mate- Let's get all the boys some lids. Okay, you go to the doctor. 10 free sessions plus a little lid at the end. Yes. That's what I'm talking about. Also, we can mix up all sorts of stuff. Schizophrenia, calf implants. <laughs> That's exciting. I'm excited for that. What what superficial things could you fix <laughs> that will paper over your mental illness? Yeah, mate, a therapist, they're kind of lazy, mate. They don't want to they don't want to give you a hair transplant. They want to examine your insecurities and why you feel like you can't be brave enough just to be a bald man. A That's lazy. Yeah, that is lazy. That is and a lazy. lot of people with depression, as someone who doesn't suffer, speaking to someone who does suffer- <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> Shut the fuck up, cunt. <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm telling you about your disease, mate. <laughs> someone that doesn't suffer talking to someone that does suffer. <laughs> this is the dialogue that Stokes I, yeah. is open. Oh, mate. Obviously, I'm happy that the dialogue's open. The dialogue's Obviously, open, I'm mate. I'm so happy. You cannot close the dialogue. Yeah. Mate- a lot. What a lot of you cunts don't understand is- <laughs> When you're too busy fucking brooding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a lot of you guys don't understand the serotonin escapes through your bald head. <laughs> yeah. you go, if you thicken up that lid, it keeps all the dopamine where it needs to be. In your cranium, brother. That's true. That is true. Fuck. Yeah. It's something to keep an eye on, boys. How funny is that? That's the fucking dumbest thing I've ever fucking heard. Also, he's obviously copped a mad fee for that. Yeah. What are the ethics on fucking going, look, I've, I've copped £100,000 around the back door, but I'm also going to play the mental health card on this as well. You can't do both. Surely you can't do both. That is fucked, eh? Why can't you just say, hey, guys, I got a new lid and it fucking rips. Also- Link in my story. Also, being sad about something- isn't mental health. If you're sad, it can be if you're being ho- heaps obsessive about it. But if you're just a little bummed out that your hair's going, you don't have depression, cunt. <laughs> Fuck off. Like, <laughs> give me a fucking break, mate. Call Lifeline and give them the wrong number, mate. Yeah. But also, <laughs> mate, to, I mean, to your point, but also, uh, what did he say at the start? He goes, <laughs> I can't even get over it. Like, what did, How did he start the tweet? The way he started it was actually, oh, yeah, in support of mental health is how it starts. Mate, if you if, if you just start any sentence with that, you could kind of just like in support of mental health, mm. I bought myself a paddle pop this afternoon. Yeah. And it did make me feel better. Yeah, obviously. It's like it's like if is anything that just makes you feel a bit better Of course it's in support of mental health. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's probably it should just say like in support of joy or in support of like 
looking rootable in my 40s. Oh, like did, mental health. Mate, the words, did, the did two he, words mental health, we've got like six months left before they are completely meaningless. Oh, my God. It Was this on Twitter? Yeah. Oh, God. Stokesy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. It's so good. And also, mate, like um, these new lids and stuff, you know, he's got a fucking a new lid sponsor. Why can't you just have this, like the mental health thing Yeah, is just reaching a bit, really. Well, it's it's reaching and it is quite rude as well. It's unnecessary. It's very unnecessary. <laughs> and it's very, it's trying to have your cake and eat it too. Yeah. Is he saying, is he insinuating that he had a mental health issue? That his new lid fixed. Well, he was definitely vain about something. Vain about it. Yeah. I once want, got real obsessive about my hair receding. It was fucking lame. Yeah, you, you go through phases because mine's starting to go as well. But I don't know. It's hard to give a fuck every day, really. <laughs> Which is the difference between mental health and not mental health. Yeah. They wake up giving a fuck about it. So maybe Stokes was in that spot, but you can't be like... Yeah, I care about my hairline until I have literally any other problem in the world. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm like, let's just put this down for a bit. Yeah. Um. But, mate, yeah, Stokes has had a shocker there. That's fucking hilarious. So funny. All right. Anyway. Oh, we have a pod war going, but we don't need to mention that either. Oh, there's beef in the streets. There's beef in the streets. Yeah. that's And that's all I'll say. Yeah, there is a pod war. There's a pod war. Male on female crime, mate. That's what's happening. It's a cold war at the moment. Yeah. But this is just a subtle nod to the group chats out there in the Sydney comedy scene that- we're ready to fucking go. I will be rude again. <laughs> I will be very rude again. There's only so many mushrooms in that bag. <laughs> yeah. And Rowan's going through them, okay? So if you want a war, you've got it. And also, the when the pod war started, was also a mushroom. So who cares? You, and you've been to our house. Yeah. You know where we live. Mate, I'm like a Viking, mate. They used to eat mushrooms and just pillage. <laughs> it's what I do. Okay. 